0: I want to begin with this morning, the early voting for the midterm elections begins this coming Thursday, October the 20th, and it will run through Saturday, the 5th of November. Um, In Moore County, you can vote at the Moore County Agricultural Center. It's on Pinehurst Avenue in Carthage, or you can vote at the Pinehurst Community Center It's on Rattlesnake Trail in Pinehurst, right across from what used to be uh, Manor Care. In Hoke County, you can vote at the Board of Elections on Main Street in Rayford or at the Rockfish Community Center on Lindsay Road in Rayford. The hours are the same in both places, Monday through Friday, 8 to 7.30. Saturdays, 8 to 3. In Moore County, you can vote on Sunday from 1 to 4, but not in Hope County. Good for them. Their uh, places will be closed. Yes, sir. Pastor, it's it's advised if you can vote just on election day, it's harder for Democrats to choose. Yeah. Yeah. That if at all possible, vote on election day. But if you can't, you have to vote, you know. Right. Yep. I'm just giving the information. I'm not promoting it. Um, so in regard to all this, there will be a voter guide in the back when you leave today um, from Moore County and Hope County. And it's just a guide You can take one if you want. It's uh, it's up to you. It's your choice. Our concern is issues and getting the people in office who will best represent those issues. Every office on the ballot is critical. There'll be voting on the front and the back. Uh, We got an example of that this week. In um, Harnett County in Lillington, a district court judge who serves Lee and Harnett counties sentenced a prospective juror to 24 hours in jail without bond because he wouldn't wear a mask in the courtroom. Um, never mind that the pandemic has been declared to be over. Never mind that there is no state mandate. Um, According to this juror, he was not notified ahead of time that uh, he would be required to wear a mask. And when he refused, he was put in jail in America, in North Carolina, in Lillington, North Carolina. So every office is uh, critical. Turning in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 13. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask You to teach us from Your Word today. These are desperate times. They're exactly the times that You described as being not only the days of Lot, but the days of Noah when violence fills the earth. We do pray for the families there in Raleigh, The rest of their lives have been changed forever. We pray that you would help them today. We pray that you would comfort as only you can, but we pray that you would convict those who are lost, that they might see their need in these circumstances, through the uncertainty of life, see their need to be saved. We pray that in the midst of these circumstances that you would spare us from those who believe in the goodness of man and therefore believe in the evil of a gun and refuse to believe that murder is in the heart of every man. Protect us from those who would take the opportunity of these circumstances to try to take away our liberties. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're continuing with our study of Lot. It's a study of the last days. It's a study of the people of God in the last days, which... Ultimately, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, is a study of ourselves. It's an opportunity to examine ourselves and see if Lot characterizes our lives as we live in the final hours of this age. We're tracing Lot's life in studying this man. We've talked about his salvation in Ur of the Chaldees. In all likelihood, through the preaching of Shem, Noah's son. But last week, we saw that Lot made a serious mistake in his Christian life. And the mistake was that he left Ur of the Chaldees. He left there with Terah, his grandfather, and Abraham, or Abram, his uncle, and with Sarai, Abram's wife. The only problem with that is the Lord didn't call either Lot or Terah to leave Ur of the Chaldees. He called Abram and Abram alone. This is a very critical point, not only in Lot's life, but in the lives of God's people living in these days of Lot. Pastor Kelly was in the Coast Guard. He served on a Coast Guard cutter. One of his jobs was that of helmsman. He steered the ship. And he said that the critical thing when coming into port and staying in the channel was lining up three beacons. To use that experience in the Coast Guard when he preached about the Lord's will. The Lord's will is the channel in which the child of God is to sail on our way to the heavenly port. And Ken said there were three beacons that needed to be lined up in order for Christians to stay in the channel of the will of God. There's the beacon of the Word of God in the Bible, the beacon of the witness of God in the heart, and the beacon of the working of God in the circumstances. We might call these beacons the three W's. The Word, the Witness, and the Working. And there are three other W's that mark the channel of the Lord's will. And those three are what, when, and where. The Lord's will has a what What He wants us to do. The Lord's will has a when, the timing concerning what He wants us to do. And the Lord's will has a where, the place where He wants us to be in order to do His will in His time. And if we neglect to line up any of these W's, then we'll get out of the channel of the Lord's will. Young people, two out of three doesn't count. Christian, two out of three doesn't count. Oh, but I'll do what the Lord wants me to do. I'm willing to do that. And I'm willing to do when for as long as He wants me to do what He wants me to do. I just want to do it where I want to. That's not the Lord's will. That's your will. And sailing in the channel of your will will always result in running aground on the shoals of your sin and rebellion. Now we're thinking about the where in Lot's life. And that's all we can think about. Because we'll never know exactly the what and the when of God's will for this man's life. And it's like that because he got the where wrong. He got the where wrong. He left Ur of the Chaldees. And what we're going to see for the rest of Lot's life is the fruit of his getting the where of God's will wrong. We read, uh, we read about some of this fruit in Genesis chapter 13. The first fruit that we see is the fruit of strife. Look at verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. Abram and Lot have come out of Egypt. And Abram has come back, as we see in verse 3, even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. Abram came back to the place where he had gotten out of the will of God. And there between Bethel and Ai with his tent and at his altar, the fellowship and communion between, uh, that had been lost between the Lord and Abram when he went down into Egypt is restored Abram has revival in his life. Abram is doing what the Lord wants him to do and when he wants him to do it and where the Lord wants him to do it. And notice what happens when Abram is back in the channel of the Lord's will. With all of the W's lined up, his life becomes easy. <laughs> Not at all. Strife comes to his life. And the source of the strife is another believer. The strife comes from Lot, who's out of fellowship with the Lord and out of the will of God, sailing in the channel of his own will. Think about it. Lot has done what Abram did. He came out of Egypt. He came out of Egypt when Abram did. But the where is still wrong in Lot's life. He's not supposed to be between Bethel and Ai. He's supposed to be in Ur of the Chaldees. And there, doing what the Lord wanted him to do, when the Lord wanted him to do it. There's no acknowledging of any sin in Lot's life, no confessing and forsaking and going back to the place, back to the where that he got out of the will of God. If you know the Lord today and you have the W's lined up and you're sailing and living in the channel of the Lord's will, many times one of the greatest sources of strife and contention and discouragement in your life will be not the lost people around you, but fellow believers who are out of fellowship with the Lord because they're out of the will of God. The w's are not lined up in their life. And the channel of our own will. The channel of our own will will always be at odds and strife with believers who are in the channel of the will of God. And strife and contention have an effect on our testimony. Individually, collectively, the Spirit of God teaches us about that here. Notice again verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. Notice the last part of that verse again. The Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. That That's what we talk about from time to time as additional information It's given to us by the Spirit of God. Those words are not necessary to understanding what is taking place here between Abram and Lot. Verse 7 could have just said, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And then we could have just gone to verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we're brethren. The last sentence of verse 7 is extra information because the Spirit of God wants to teach us something about how strife between believers is played out. It's not played out in a vacuum. It's played out before the Canaanite and the Perizzite who dwell in the land. That sentence is there because the Spirit of God wants to remind us that conflict and contention between believers is played out before the lost people of this world. Verse 7 is about testimony. And Lot is hes not concerned about his individual testimony or the collective testimony of he and Abram. And we know that because it's Abram. It's the spiritual man. It's the man who is living in the channel of the will of God who takes the spiritual lead here. It's Abram who says, Let there be no strife, for we are brethren. It's Abram, the believer, with the tent and the altar. The believer who is doing what the Lord wants him to do, when he wants him to do it, and where he wants him to. It's Abram who's concerned about his testimony. It's not Lot. It's not the believer who's living in the channel of his own will. Remember, as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. And what are those days like? Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. What's the number one problem? For men shall be lovers of themselves. In the last days, believers, by and large, are going to be like Lot, Lovers of their own selves. Sailing in the channel of their own will. Concerned with their family and their flocks and their herds. Their tents, but no altar. No altar where they can examine themselves and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And when do you want me to do it? And where do you want me to do it? They'll have little concern for the will of God for their lives. They'll be sailing in the channel of their own will with no regard for the W's of the Christian life. And in strife, in strife with believers who are in the Lord's will. the testimony of A child of God like that will be of no effect to the lost people of this world. In fact, it will be a detriment. If we know the Lord today, how concerned are we about our testimony? Remember, Lot is the rule in our day. How many times has there been strife and contention between ourselves and another believer And the strife is not over some doctrine of Scripture. It's not over some principle of eternal truth. No, the strife is over something as eternally insignificant as cattle. Cattle. And that strife is open and public and it takes place right in front of lost people. And we know it. And yet the strife becomes more important than our testimony. The strife, or (coughs) winning the strife, having our will becomes more important than the lost people who are looking on. And this strife here is the fruit. It's the result of Lot being out of the will of God. And he got out of the will of God when he left the where that God wanted him to be. Look at verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, Then I will go to the left. Here, Lot is confronted with the most dangerous word with which a human being can ever be confronted. It's a word that reveals our character. It's a word that exposes the condition of our heart toward God. And the word is choose. Choose. Abram says to Lot in verse 9, choose which way you're going to go. And what you do when you are confronted with a choice tells everything about you. Tells everything about Lot. Notice the opening words of verse 10. Here's Lot confronted with a choice. And notice what he does. And Lot lifted up his eyes. No concern for the W's. No concern for the Word of God or the witness of God or the working of God. No concern for what the Lord wants him to do and when He wants him to do it and where He wants him to do it. And notice, I I believe that it's the mercy of God dealing with Lot. Notice that the issue again in Lot's life is where? Where? The Lord's waving a flag in front of this man. Where is the issue, Lot? Where are you going to choose to live? Here's another chance for Lot to reflect on where he is compared to where God wants him to be. But instead of bowing his head and crying to the Lord, Where do you want me to choose? What we see Lot doing is lifting up his eyes. When he's confronted with this choice, Lot's first impulse is not the Lord's will, it's his will. Notice again the words, and Lot lifted up his eyes. He did that literally, but there's a much deeper message here in his actions. And the message is in the symbolism. The eyes in the Bible are a symbol of understanding. And what the Spirit of God is telling us is that when Lot was confronted with a choice, he lifted up his own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 are probably two of the most familiar verses in the Bible to Christians and they're probably two of the most ignored verses in the Bible by the children of God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, they go right here beside verse 10. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. This is a verse about the will of God. And it has all the W's. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's the Word of God in the Bible. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. That's the witness of God in the heart. And He shall direct thy paths. That's the working of God in the circumstances. The Word, the witness, the working. But it's also the other three W's. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's what the Lord wants us to do. That's also when. It's the when of the Lord's will. Psalm 62 and verse 8 says, Trust in Him at all times. At all times, ye people. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. That's the where of the Lord's will. So here are all the W's. And Lot ignores them, particularly the where. Lot's faced with choosing. He needs his path directed. But instead of trusting in the Lord with all his heart, instead of acknowledging Him, instead of the word and the witness and the working, instead of the what and the when and the where of the will of God, Lot leans on his own understanding. We know the Lord today, what's our first reaction when we're confronted with a choice? It doesn't matter how big. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, well, we just need the Lord and the big choices. Lord, you take care of the big ones, and I'll take care of the little ones. That's a recipe for disaster. What's our first reaction? Do we humble our heart, or do we lift up our eyes? Do we lean on our own understanding or do we trust in the Lord with all our heart? Do we acknowledge Him in all of our ways and allow Him to direct our path? Or are we led by the word and the witness and the working? Led into the what and the when and the where of the will of God? Or do we sail in the channel of our own will? Headed for shipwreck on the shoals of our sin. And rebellion. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes. And then verse 11 begins with the words, Then Lot chose. When Lot ignored the word and the witness and the working, when he ignored the what and the when, then it was impossible to choose the where of the will of God. And what is true of Lot can be true of you. It can be true of me. There's something else here that I believe is critically important. Something that illustrates why we are incapable of making choices. Something that demonstrates an unfailing principle concerning choices. Look again at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east And they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. As Lot lifted up his eyes and as he looked out across the plain of Jordan, there was something that was sinful and wicked and evil out there. It was the city of Sodom. Verse 13 tells us that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. But here's the critical point. Lot did not choose Sodom. Lot didn't choose Sodom. In verse 10, when he lifted up his eyes... What attracted Lot was the plain of Jordan. And the Spirit of God describes it there. It was well watered everywhere, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. And that is what Lot chose. Verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Then notice the next four words in that verse because it's another little bit of information that the Spirit of God gives us. And Lot journeyed east. Lot journeyed east. Why would the Lord think that was important? That Lot journeyed east. Because of something that we've talked about before, I think someone mentioned it in a message recently, Directions in the Bible are important. Psalm 75 and verse 6 says, Promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. So promotion must come from the north. It's that way because God sits also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So directions are important. When Abram went down into Egypt, we read in Genesis 12 and verse 9, And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south, the direct opposite of north, and therefore the direction away from God, as what happened in Egypt, bears out. So here's Lot choosing the plain of Jordan and journeying east And that little detail is so critical because it tells us that Lot didn't choose south. He didn't choose the direction away from God. He didn't overtly choose evil. He didn't choose Sodom, but neither did he choose north. He didn't choose to go in God's direction. Can I say he didn't choose to go where God wanted him to go? He didn't choose what is right. What he chose was to journey east. East is this in-between direction. It's this in-between direction between north and south. Lot made, he probably thought, he had made a neutral choice. But folks, listen, young people, listen. Listen. There is no such thing as a neutral choice. There's no such thing as a neutral choice. Lenica Gilmore, one of my spiritual mothers, she's given me some very good books over the years. And I came across in one of them this truth. The kind of thing you read and you think, boy, I wish I had written that. You need not choose evil. You have only to fail to choose good, and you will drift fast enough toward evil. I want to say that again. You need not choose evil. You have only to fail to choose good and you drift fast enough toward evil. There are no neutral choices. Lot didn't choose evil. He didn't choose Sodom. He didn't choose that place where God says the men were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. He chose the plain of Jordan and journeyed east. He didn't choose to go south, but neither did he choose to go north. He didn't choose evil But he failed to choose good. He failed to go where the Lord wanted him to go. And when he failed to do that, immediately Lot begins to drift fast enough toward evil. Judge Robert Bork wrote a book called Slouching Toward Gomorrah. You'd write that over Lot's life slouching toward Sodom look at verse 11 then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves the one from the other and Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom at the end of verse 12 pitched his tent Toward Sodom. Lot is drifting toward evil. And he drifted fast. Look at chapter 14. It's right there across the page. There's war in the plain of Jordan. And notice what we read in, in, in chapter 14 and verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom who dwelt in Sodom. Lot's now in the place that he did not choose. Sodom. And he got there fast. And then in chapter 19 and verse 1, we read these words, And there came two angels to, Lot, to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Lot is not only in Sodom, he's embraced it. And Sodom has embraced him. Because he sits in a place of leadership in the city. The drifting is now complete. And think about the progression here. Lot didn't choose Sodom. He just failed to choose the Lord. He just failed to choose where the Lord wanted him to go. And he drifted fast enough toward evil. The Lord Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And it is. It is. Churches and ministries and the Christians in those churches and ministries need not choose the evil of all these corrupt versions of the Bible. They have only to fail to choose the good the Word of God, the King James Bible, and they'll drift fast enough toward evil, toward these new versions of the Bible. Christian parents in churches, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, need not choose public education for their children. They have only to fail to choose the good. The good of Proverbs 27.1, cease my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge and they will drift fast enough toward evil. The evil of public education. And pastors and preachers across this nation are going to stand before God one day and explain why they never preached on Proverbs 27 in verse 1. Why they never took a stand. Churches need not choose the evil of contemporary Christian music. They have only to fail to choose the good, God's music, the music that admonishes, the music that edifies. They only need to fail to choose psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and Christ-honoring music, and they will drift fast enough toward evil. If you have no direction in your life, the flesh and the devil and the world has a direction for you to go. Christian young person, listen to me. You need not choose the evil of premarital sex. You have only to fail to choose good. You have only to fail to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need only to make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, and you will drift fast enough toward evil. This is what we see when we look at Lot. We see a man who got out of the will of God. He left the where of the will of God for his life. And the fruit that follows the fruit that follows that choice is strife with believers who are in the will of God. No concern about his testimony and the effect that it has on the lost people around him. We see a man who journeys east, a man who doesn't overtly choose evil. That's how he defend himself, isn't it, in Genesis chapter 13. I'm not choosing Sodom. But neither does he choose good. Neither does he choose the Lord and His will and His way. And so Lot drifts fast enough toward evil. When we look at this man, we see these days in which we're living. Just exactly like the Lord Jesus said in in Luke 17 and Revelation chapter 3. There the Lord Jesus says to the church of the Laodiceans, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. What's the Lord say? You're lukewarm. That's, that wording is very instructive, isn't it? Lukewarm. Lukewarm is exactly halfway between cold and hot. And I believe the Lord uses that language to take our minds back to the days of Lot. Lot. Lot wasn't cold and he wasn't hot. He wasn't headed south, but neither was he headed north, north. He was journeying east. He was lukewarm, not choosing evil, but failing to choose good, and so he drifted fast enough toward evil. And all of this revolves around where, doesn't it? Where? Lot missed the wear of God's will for his life. And look where he ended up. We're saved this morning. Where are we? What evil are we drifting fast enough toward because we failed to choose the good? The Lord Jesus Christ and His will for our lives. The good of choosing death to self that the life of the Lord Jesus might be manifested in us. If you're lost today, there's a choice before you. It's a choice that we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, where God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that thou may live. Choose life. Choose life by taking your place as a sinner and humbling your heart, repenting of your sin, and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Neither is there salvation in any other. Him alone to be your Savior. Our Father, we thank You for the opportunity to look into Your Word for a few moments this morning. We pray that You would speak to each heart according to our need whether we're saved or whether we're lost. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.